This is Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. I imagine, like most of you listening, last Friday was a joyous and I hope very blessed day in your home. Regardless of what was happening under the tree or what meal you were having or who you were able to gather with, it was Christmas, right? Christmas Day, the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, joy to the world, our soul feels its worth, the whole kit and caboodle of Christmas. And I would be remiss if I didn't say Merry Christmas from all of us at the Ave Explorers team and Ave Maria Press. But of course, you and I both know that Christmas didn't just end at the stroke of midnight on December 26th. In fact, that was just the second day of Christmas. We were really just beginning the octave of Christmas, that that first week celebration, and then, of course, the full 12 days of Christmas, which we have a whole song about. Of course, it's about a bunch of birds, but there's a meaning to all of it, right? It's, It's catechism, I think. I think that's what some people say, at least. Christmas isn't just a day. That's the whole point. It's actually uh, part of our commitment to Christmas this year as a family was that we would do something intentional every day of the octave of Christmas to make sure that our kids knew we were continuing to celebrate. And not just in terms of gifts, although we definitely parsed them out, and there's still actually a few things hidden under my bed that will make an appearance on the Feast of the Epiphany. I'm Puerto Rican, and we're implementing the Feast of the Three Kings this year in our family to where the Three Kings will bring a couple more presents on Epiphany morning to, to continue to implement and, and continue to make sure our kids know, well, Christmas isn't just a single day. I think a lot of us struggle with that, at least in the secular world, right? I walked into Target just the other day to go buy some curtains with a gift card, Merry Christmas to me, and there's no evidence of Christmas whatsoever, except on the clearance aisles where they've started to put some of the things that didn't sell, and even that was largely picked over. They're already moving on to Valentine's Day. I saw a quote recently that as a culture, we do a really good job of building up to something, but then do a really terrible job of actually resting in and celebrating it. And I think that's what's happened in our secular world with Christmas. And so for our final episode of the Advent, I guess you could also call it, and Christmas mini-series, we wanted to talk about what does a celebration of Christmas look like, especially in the middle of a pandemic? Within a parish community, within a church community, how can we lean into this celebration of our Lord and Savior's birth? So to have that conversation today, we welcome um, two very well-known Ave Maria Press authors, Father Michael White and Tom Cochran, and they will be helping us unpack and explore how Christmas can be celebrated for the full 12 days and why it's important that we do so, and how we can engage within our parish communities. You can find all the other episodes of this Advent and Christmas mini-series over at AveMariaPress.com, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. For right now, we hope you sit back and enjoy this conversation about celebrating Christmas for all 12 days. Well, Tom and Father, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, and great to be with you. Yeah, yeah. Longtime fan of, of the, I'm just going to say the rebuild crew um, of what you guys are doing, of how you guys are, are approaching church. Tell me a little bit about both of you, where you are, what you're doing, a little bit about the Church of the Nativity. Well, both of us came to the parish without any real parish experience. Uh, Father Michael had worked uh, in the downtown offices here in Baltimore. I was uh, writing a political science major, so I couldn't <laughs> really have much interest in working in the church, but came here to do student ministry and 
over a few years, we realized that we needed to kind of change some things, that our parish was a sleepy parish, but even in just doing a bunch of different activities, it wasn't going anywhere. We were burning ourselves out, but nothing was ever different after than before. And so that just started us on a journey of kind of rediscovering the, the mission of the church to make disciples and new strategies on how to do that. And we did that by studying a lot of Protestant churches, Saddleback Church, North Point in Atlanta, uh, Saddleback in California, and began integrating those into the parish. And we saw fruit. We saw positive, positive change. What do you think the best thing y'all have done has been? I know that's a really hard question to ask because y'all have done so much, but like the best thing, let's even just say in the past year. I was going to say the best thing ever, I would say is challenging uh, consumers to become contributors, getting people up out of the pews and serving. Mm. Uh, I think that might've been the single biggest game changer for us. In the past year, it's, it's been about just, just, you know, treading water and keeping our head above water through the uh, pandemic. How have you done that? I mean, any advice? Well, I think it's, it's, you know, we, we call it this way, digital discipleship. It's, mm-hmm. it's all online now. And even if you're, your church is open, 90, 95% of people who experience you are going to be experiencing it digitally. So to begin thinking about how you're reaching people digitally through video and your online worship of the Sunday mass, but also it can be old school too, of making phone calls. We've made more phone calls over the last few months than we ever did before. So uh, it's both, I think old school phone call and connection and really looking at your, your digital footprint. It's about about engagement. It's about engagement at this point. It's not attendance. Attendance uh, isn't really a category at this, at this point. So how are you engaging with your people? Whether as Tom said, it's just straight out old school cards, telephone calls, letters, or uh, online, or hopefully both. I love this idea that it's not just a mass email, but it's a, it's a personal connection with people whose names you know, whose family histories you're, you're part of. Um, hurricanes just hit Lake Charles uh, in the past few weeks, and I say weeks, months, I guess now. Um, and my pastor called me about a week after the storm, because he knew I was expecting a baby. He wanted to know how our house was doing and did we need any help. And it was the most touching thing just to know that he cared. He cared enough to want to hear my voice to make sure that our family was okay. I think you guys do that really well at, at your parish and, and making that connection. How do you think that translates to people's, I, I'm going to say, bigger faith journey? So like knowing that Father Michael, that Tom, that the people in the, on the staff actually care about their lives, do you think that, that that makes a lifelong disciple? Well, absolutely. And it, it can't just be the staff. It has to be connections with other people in the community. I think we have to do that. We have to model it. And I like what Pastor Anna Stanley says, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Certainly if the church is going to grow and keep, reach new people, the pastor, even the parish staff can't do all that but you can be engaging other people in volunteering and making those phone calls or those connections. But yeah, at, at the end of the day, um, it is so much relational and connection that keeps people coming back, going back to father Michael saying engagement or connection, connecting with other people that someone knows who I am. So knows who knows what's going on in my life and cares about me. Apart from that, people will, will, will just kind of fall away from the church. Mm-hmm. Um, over the past number of years, we've made a big investment in small groups, mm. in small group discipleship for adults. 
And um, it's really paying off big time in terms of uh, this current experience because people have a built-in community. But, but let me say for those listening that um, I know parishes that are just launching small group programs during this period of time. And this is actually a great period of time to try small groups because people are at home and they're available and they're looking for that community. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, that, that's a good jumping off point. We're in the the Christmas season uh, when this airs, what's the plan to, to continue to engage with your parish, to continue to engage in these small group communities and, and to make sure that people know that Christmas is not just one single day. It's not just a consumerist holiday, nor is it just like, okay, yeah, we've got through that. Now we just have to rush into the next big one, which I guess would be Lent. Like what, what are y'all doing specifically for Christmas? Well, we've kind of put together four things that we've been, been working on. Um, a lot, like a lot of parishes, we always have a, an Advent kind of giving program that we ask people to participate in. Uh, we've done several things over the last few years. Um, this year, we kind of going back to once the old school, just collecting some gifts for um, Catholic charities here in Baltimore City and some other organizations that we work with. And this weekend coming up, uh, don't know when, the, you know, this weekend, which for us coming up the weekend of February uh, or December 11th and 12th, our 12th and 13th, uh, we're going to have a drop-off. People can drop off those things. And we're doing it all at the same time, so at least people can see, again, the community mm-hmm. and people engaged. And others are a part of it, not just drop it off during the week. But, no, we want people to feel the community. Um, we're also going to be decorating our campus with some lights uh, for this weekend um, so that people can – and that will remain up through uh, January 3rd, um, the Christmas season. Um so that they can just kind of drive up and, and experience that. And remember, the church is here. Uh, as much as I would say, you know, the church is certainly not about a building, but the building does help anchor people in the church experience, and it, it, it does. It is a common connection point. Uh, those are a couple of things we're doing. And then the Christmas, we have, we put together some kits for Christmas Eve. Most people, again, we know are going to be worshiping online and not going to be able to come home, come to the church building on Christmas Eve. So. Uh, little things like candles and a Christmas ornament and things to make that experience to connect them together. So those kind of the, the major things we're doing for this Christmas. I hope you are enjoying this conversation with Tom Cochran and Father Michael White from Church of the Nativity in Baltimore. Um, their insights that are coming up in the second half of the episode are worth continuing to listen to, so please stick around. This is, of course, the final episode in our Advent mini-series. You can find all of the previous episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on AveMariaPress.com. All right, back to the show. The, the first time I encountered um, Church of the Nativity, y'all did Mass in, I believe it was a fairground, is that correct? Um, and and I just remember following the story online and saying, like, wait a second. And, and was it was something with the cow palace? Am I getting that correctly? Am I remembering that correctly? Uh, what's the story there, Father? This you decided to rent out a fairground to have mass for Christmas. Well, uh, uh, this story can be as long or or short as you, you care to hear about it. But uh, the bottom line was, like many many parishes, we found Christmas Eve quite overwhelming uh, in terms of attendance. And the um, attendance was, was um, so crushing that it ended up year after year that really nobody was having a, a, a great experience. The parking lot was gridlock. It was standing room only. 
Uh, people were grumpy toward one another. Um, a lot of regulars felt put out that, you know, they couldn't get a seat uh, with all these visitors coming. Visitors felt unwelcome. And I just thought, you know, Church of the Nativity should be able to do better than this <laughs> on Christmas. And so one summer night, I was uh, uh, driving here in our community, and I got stopped at a red light in front of the Maryland State Fairgrounds, which just happens to be right here in our parish. Mm. And the gates of the uh, fairgrounds were open for some reason. There was nothing going on, but the gates were open, and I didn't have anything to do. So I drove in just to take a look. And... There was a large building called the Exhibit Hall, and it was open. And I got out of my car and walked in. And it's this huge open space. And I said, we can do Christmas here. Let's get out of our church. Let's put up enough seats so that we can welcome the visitors and the newcomers on the one evening of the year when they actually want to come to church, let's give them a good experience and maybe win them over back to church-going discipleship. So that was about 15 years ago. Yeah. 15 years ago, and it just grew and grew and grew every year until it became a, really a community-wide celebration. Um, we won't be doing it this year, but... Here's hoping next year. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, you leaned into your name, Church of the Nativity, and this idea of welcoming people, of wanting them to... Have you, have you seen folks come back? Like, hey, I came to this church for Mass on Christmas, and now I'm going to be a lifelong parishioner. I mean, it's, it's borne some fruit. Um, I guess my question then is, the person that's listening to this who can't come to Baltimore to be part of your parish community but who wants that same kind of engagement or connection or the person who says, I want to be intentional with my Christmas this year. Um, what would be some recommendations or some, some thoughts that you have to encourage them to do that? Well, I think a lot of people are going to be, you know, some people are going to be able to go Christmas Eve and worship in their church. And some are, a lot of people are not, and you know, different places are handling it different ways. So you continue to worship together, I think on Christmas Eve, and even if you're worshiping online, as I know many of our parishioners are going to be to, enter fully into that experience. You know, when everything was shut down and I was at home with my family, I mean, that's the way we did. We, we put the TV on and we would watch mass together and we would sit, stand, kneel. So I think some part of that is continuing just to go to mass and entering that full experience. You know, I think there is some to the lights. I, we're hoping, you know, I said, we, we don't know yet, but we're hoping a lot of people are going to come out for this because while we can't go and socialize or many people from socializing in, in, in different areas, we can, go and see lights and stay in the car. Um, you know, maybe do that and put on some Christian music while you do that. You know, you know, you can listen to Frosty, I guess you want, or Rudolph or Red Nose Reindeer or whatever, but make sure, you know, I mean, a lot of great worship music out there. Uh, you know, either, you know, people love Christmas music. So I think that was always, for me, the biggest thing I loved about Christmas was the Christmas music because until, you know, I didn't really like the church music too much. Now that I've gotten more exposed to contemporary Christian worship, it's more kind of like the music I listened to growing up. Now I can have both all time of year, but I remember I loved Christmas music. I loved Christmas because I loved music and that was combining my faith and music I wanted to sing. So, um, you know, those are a couple of ideas. I think just get in the car, put on some Christmas worship songs and, and connect that way. Good lights. 
Yeah. I, I, we, um, we've gone Christmas light looking the past couple of days uh, with our three-year-old who's very into it right now. I mean, that's like the magic of Christmas is very real for her. Um, you know, 2020 has been hard. It's been a hard year. Uh, I don't think any parish, any person has been um, untouched by that challenge. I guess at the end then, what are some words of encouragement you have for just a hopeful 2021? What are some things y'all have on the horizon to continue that engagement? How would you maybe encourage people who are going to be intentional with their Christmas worship to really lean into some hope and some joy for 2021? Well, you know, I think our, our hope, a lot of times, I think people feel overwhelmed right now. Um, sometimes it can be their life circumstances, but we feel like we're not in control. So much is outside of our control. And a lot of people, the lesson has been, of course, you know, that's a good lesson for us as Christians. God's in control. You're not in control. Same time, I think as human beings, we're wired for autonomy. There's a desire in us to control. And God does give us responsibility. And so I think for us, and what we'll be talking about in our next series, we do series here at the parish, we're going to be talking about how you can set your priorities. And even though so much of the world is outside of our control, so we still can have an internal locus of control and what we're going to influence. And part of that, again, is setting our priorities and not apart from God, but setting our priorities for our life and our, the vision for our life with God and our identity as, as followers of Christ. So I think, I, I think a lot of people, and I would include myself in this, have been frustrated by, you know, larger world and larger politics and can find myself kind of getting into those things. And I have to kind of pull back to, okay, God, what do you want me to do right now? What am I, what can I control? A little bit mm-hmm. of that serenity prayer, you know, <laughs> to, to control what I can and live and to make the difference to build God's kingdom in right now. And let me focus back on that. So I think at least for myself, you know, I've been thinking about, you know, you, you reject Satan and live in the freedom of God's children. And there is freedom still available to us even though many things have been taken away and we got to live within that freedom, I think, grab hold of it. That's kind of, for me, at least the hope I'm, I'm trying to grab a hold of. Mm-hmm. I think that our faith clearly tells us that God is at work during this period of time in mysterious ways, in ways that we might not see or understand, but uh, that can be revealed to us. We're doing a message series right now called the secrets of Christmas. The story of Christmas is really a story of God sharing secrets with Mary and Joseph and Elizabeth, the shepherds, the wise men, including them as he shares his secrets in on his plans. And I think that that can be our prayer this Christmas, this very strange and singular Christmas, that God shares his secret as to what he's at work in this week and be a part of his plan. Mm. I love that. I think that's the, the perfect way. I think we get the title of the episode out of that too. Um, so where can we learn more about the Church of the Nativity, about the work that you guys are doing? Well, two places. So if you go to churchnativity.com, that's our parish website. And that's where you can just get a feel for what we're doing and learn more about some of these message series that, that Father Michael talked about, series of Christmas. Uh, then we also have a work we do to help parishes. You know, we have the Rebuilt Parish. Uh, it's a movement to help parishes. So rebuildparish.com. You can find out you know, coaching and content and the community we're building there to help parishes make disciples. So uh, rebuildparish.com and trishnativity.com. Awesome. We'll have those down in the show notes. Thank you guys so much for taking the time um, on this random afternoon and, and all the reschedules. We really appreciate it.
Thanks, Katie. Great to be Thanks, here. Katie. Like I mentioned at the start, we've been intentional with our celebration of Christmas throughout the past week, doing something Christmassy, doing something really um, specific to make sure that our daughter, especially Rose, who's three years old, understands that Christmas is far more than just Santa Claus dropping off gifts on one night of the year. So one day we baked Christmas cookies again, and we decorated them, and we played Christmas carols. One day we went to the park, and we had a little Christmas picnic. You can do that in southwest Louisiana, where it's a gorgeous 65 degrees most of the time in December. Today, while I'm finishing up this episode, we are on day five of Christmas, and we decided that we would give her one more little gift. We're kind of at that halfway point of the 12 days of Christmas almost. And so we gave her another small gift, just a coloring book and some crayons. And Rose looked at us as she unwrapped it and she went, it's still Christmas? We said, yeah, it's still Christmas. Lean into the celebration. It's not over yet. And I think the insights that, that Tom and Father Michael gave us about engaging in our parish community and and even recognizing that there's light to be had, right? Keep those trees up. Don't take the lights down yet. In some places, I'm sure some folks are still exchanging gifts, as I hope you maybe still are, because that's a continued celebration of the birth of Jesus. This is the last episode in our Advent and Christmas miniseries, but you can find all the previous episodes at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and on AveMariaPress.com. And we want to let you know about the new season of Ave Explorers that will be launching in February, so just in a few short weeks. Our new Ave Explorer series is about Catholicism around the world. What does Catholicism look like in Ireland, in India, in Haiti, in the United States of America? How is the faith being lived globally? And what universally binds us together, besides just the tenets of the faith, but the ways that we express and practice our Catholicism, from South Africa to Australia and everywhere in between, we hope that you join us for the series. You can click down in the show notes. You'll find a sign-up link to get the email straight to your inbox every week of the series. The podcast will begin, like I said, in February, and you can get the content straight to your email when you sign up. We'd be grateful if you'd journey with us through Catholicism around the world. We're very excited about the series. More info will be coming shortly. For now, we hope that you have enjoyed this Advent mini-series. You can go find all of our previous episodes of this series and other seasons on AveMariaPress.com. We're glad you're journeying with us, and we'll see you soon.